Hello and welcome to the Fossil Huntress podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well. Today on the show, I thought I would bring you fossil collecting at Harrison Lake. So wherever you are in the world, fly with me up to North America, to Canada's far western coast, and we'll leave from Vancouver and head about three hours east to the beautiful town of Harrison on Harrison Lake. Harrison Lake is the largest lake in the southern coast mountains of Canada. So it's a big, big lake. It's about 250 square kilometers. The area we're interested in exploring is along the western side. So we don't go into the town of Harrison. We go to Harrison Mills and find the Sasquatch Inn. So think of a big hairy beast in the forest, that kind of Sasquatch. And from there, we connect up with Forestry Road number 17. So it's really nice and clean and clear on a map. I had some friends who went up there recently and I have some friends who plan to go. So this is a bit of a love note to you. And I'd also done up a blog post over on Arkea to show some updated photos and a map, the GPS coordinates, the technical scientific species names. Um, so for an ammonite, the little coiled cephalopod, the little round things you find up there. These are Cadoceros tanians and friends. The long cigar-shaped fossils you find there are belemnite, so the inner bone of a squid-like cephalopod. And we find wee fat little bivalves that look like oysters, and they're buchia. So we've talked about the species, we've talked about how to get there. If you are interested in going up to Harrison, certainly check out the links on my blog and uh, go to fossilhuntress.com and click on Archaea. And today is October 20th, 2021. So if you check out today's date, you'll find a post with all the things you need to get there. But I thought I would talk a little bit about successful collecting at Harrison. If you're a newbie, brand new to the uh, field and, and fossil collecting, there were a number of questions I was asked that I thought I would share with each of you. So if you've been to Harrison and, and you've, you've collected there extensively, you may get something out of today's episode. But if you're planning to go up, either on your own or with your family and some friends, the things that I would want to know and plan for are thus. So Harrison is um, a wonderful site. It's generally a day trip. You can stay in the Harrison Hot Springs Hotel or uh, camp close by, but I almost always do it as a day trip from Vancouver. So it's three hours there and back, or three hours there and three hours back. There is a gravel road that you need to go up, so it's not good in a low vehicle. So a um, SUV or a truck is perfect, but a car will get you there. I would definitely have a spare tire in that car and some skill with changing a tire because the rock at Harrison is this pokey siltstone that can pop a tire. And it can also take out an eye. So. I've been asked if you need specialized gear for fossil collecting, and the answer is sometimes, but not always. 
So you could go to Harrison and just the clothes you generally wear and some runners, and you could pick through uh, the scree slope and the ditch where there's little pieces of rock just with your fingers, and you wouldn't need any sort of specialized gear for that. But if you want to collect successfully at, at Harrison, you're going to need a, going to need a couple things. So if you're going to smash anything with a hammer, it needs to be an actual geology hammer because the rock here is really hard and really brittle and you want to make a good show of your choices. So a hammer and chisel, not a wood chisel, a rock chisel. And um, I'll put a photo of a rock chisel. There's some links on the Archaea blog that you can click um, to see what an actual rock chisel looks like versus a wood chisel. They're basically just the sturdier cousins of the wood chisel. I tend to wear bright clothing at this site. It's an active recreation road and a logging road. So depending on the time and day that you're there, you're collecting at a road cut. So you want to make sure that you're really visible. If you're bringing kids or dogs, you want to be really mindful um, to keep an eye on them because people can drive like maniacs on that road. The basic site that you'll be going through and going to is just past Hale Creek, H-A-L-E, and there's a map over on our chaos. So you can find it. Um, as you collect, you're going to be collecting on the west side of the road. And if you were to go to the east side of the road, it kind of goes down a cliff. Don't go down the cliff. <laughs> Stay up on the west side. And most of the good collecting is in the ditch and then about 10 to 20 feet up. To find really good specimens, you're going to want to have to do a little bit of work. So the bedrock here is really hard. You can break out pieces the size of um, you know, a watermelon and break them down. If you do go up the cliff, it's really friable, some of the pieces. So they'll roll down and they're hard and pokey. So be mindful of those below you and that you don't start any little rock slides. Here I wear either rubber boots or hiking boots. <laughs> hiking boots are best, but I often wear my my um, rubber boots that have good grip. They're sort of industrial rubber boots, and they're a bit shorter, and so that I can walk and scree and slide down a little bit and uh, have some grip and not get any pokey pieces in my shoes or up my pant leg. I also usually wear one of those Vizzy vests you see people wearing when they're cycling they're, or working um, as a road construction crew. So something brightly colored and reflective. And I do this so the people that I'm out with are my field crew and the cars going by can see me so that I'm nice and visible. The other thing I like to bring, um, you definitely want to bring water and snacks and a lunch. I would certainly bring a first aid kit so that you've got one on hand. Um, and I would put some band-aids in your pockets because the thing you're most likely to need is a band-aid. I usually wear uh, collecting gloves here. So just gardening type gloves would be just fine. I definitely wear eye protection always at Harrison. I've had some nasty cuts and my friend Karen was... Um, injured rather badly when a little shard hit her eye. So it's it's really hard matrix that splits off and kind of smells like a bullet. So when it 
flies through the air, it'll cut you. So I've had cuts on my cheeks and um, definitely had some injuries from the, from the matrix here. When you go up, you're looking for gray, gray-brown, and blackish rock. The fossils tend to be a little bit darker than the matrix, and you're looking for things that look like clams or little snails or little sticks that look cigar-like, and I've put the images of them in my blog post so you can see what you're looking for. And you definitely want to look at those photos. You need a search image. You want to be able to see what you're looking for, and it takes a while to develop that. So you'll be chasing shadows until you can figure out the actual types of specimens you find here. Also look for big blocks about the size of a dishwasher. These are coquina, so big mountains of buchia, bivalve clams that all grow together. And sometimes you can break off a little piece, but if you've got your cell phone with a camera or a camera, just take them out with a photo. <laughs> They're really hard and really hard to break apart. You can find some smaller pieces. If you see something tasty in the bedrock, so there's a big plate the size of um, a doorway or a wall in your house and there's no way you're taking it home, sometimes we do bring um, uh, a molding putty so that we can take a mold of that specimen since we can't take the specimen itself out. And this works rather nicely when you see depressions or the imprints of a belemnite, that cigar-like fellow who's the um, squid-like cephalopod, so the inner bone of that creature. And um, it works rather well with the buchia. What else would I want to know? So if I was going to Harrison, um, can I bring friends with me? Absolutely. Do we collect in four seasons? Mm, you can once you're hooked. <laughs> would I collect in the rain? Absolutely. The matrix at Harrison actually shows up better when it's wet. And so if you're hardcore and you love fossil collecting, then collecting in the rain is just fine. And in a, if it's a mild rain, almost preferable. But if you're bringing friends for the first time, or you're bringing your kids for the first time, imagine doing something that you're mm, kind of iffy on, not sure if you're going to love it, and now you're doing it in the rain. So they'll never come back with you again if you, uh, if you take them for an eight-hour downpour at uh, Harrison. But if you take them for a little bit in sort of a misty spitting rain and they're dressed for the weather and you've got some Gore-Tex and good clothing and yummy snacks, then, then heck yes, you can collect in the rain. I wouldn't collect Harrison in the snow and um, imagine going out to your lawn and there's, you know, two or three inches of snow and you throw some loonies and toonies around on the yard and then go to look for them. It's just too hard to find what you're looking for. Have I collected in the snow? Absolutely. Um, if you go to the Arctic, it's your only option. But it's not my first choice. So you can do it, but it wouldn't be my first choice. So... Harrison, I would definitely plan a, a put a trip plan together and tell someone you know, love and trust, someone responsible, where you plan to go. 
I've put the map and the GPS coordinates and you can Google Earth it so you can tell them exactly where you plan to go, um, when you plan to be back. And if you're not back by dark, that they send somebody out to look for you. So did you get a flat tire? Perfect. Um, one of the things I didn't bank on is having more than one flat tire in a day. You get one, you think you're good. And you only have the one spare. But if you get a second flat tire and you're, you know, 20, 30 kilometers up a logging road, um, you are you may be bunking for the night. So I would definitely put a pillow and a blanket in the car for anyone that's out with you that might get sort of cold, wet and tired, who's kind of done for the day. And also as a backup plan, just in case you are overnighting unexpectedly. So eye protection, gloves, a, a rock chisel and a rock hammer. Uh, definitely some hiking boots to keep your feet safe or the sort of sturdier rubber boots. If I'm collecting, I keep a little keeper pile. And so I have a little brightly colored bit of cloth that I lay down. And as I collect things, I set them on the cloth because once you set something gray on gray or beige on beige, you can quickly lose your little keeper piles. You think you'll keep track of them, but you won't. And it's very disappointing um, to know you've found something and then know you're not bringing it home because you can't find it again. I also set my hammer and chisel and anything I do want to keep, my glasses, my lunch, on that same brightly colored sheet so that if I'm looking for it again, I can find it easily. Um, if you're going to be collecting a lot, I take all of my tools out at the beginning of the field season. And I'm not much for pink. I'm, I much prefer yellow. But if I'm with a group, they'll often have uh, yellow fluorescent paint on their tools as well. So I'll just take hot pink or bright yellow fluorescent paint and I'll run one line across the bottoms of all my chisels and hammers. It's kind of sacrilege to put uh, spray paint on an S-wing hammer, but if you've lost them in the field, it is wonderful to try and find them again if they've got a little bit of fluorescent color. I wouldn't choose fluorescent green if you're going to be collecting at a lot of forestry sites because they tend to be green and the fluorescent is helpful but not ideal. And then when you get back, it'll be fairly simple to wash your finds and ID them. So there's many species of ammonites up here. There's some big inflated codoceros, the macroconchs, the females of the ammonites. And they're about the size of a grapefruit, a big inflated grapefruit. The little codoceros taniants are finely uh, little ribs um, along the ammonite, and they're slightly bigger than a toonie, generally. The bellumnites, the cigar-like fossils you find up there, are about the size of a cigar if it was maybe a little narrower, a little smoother, a little longer, and pointed on one, one end. The buchia, the bivalve clams up here, are about the size of your thumb, give or take depending on how big your hand is, but they might be a little bigger or a little smaller. And while there are other things to find up in Harrison, those are kind of the basics. The other thing that I would ask you to look for, and I would hope would entice you to look even harder, 
is this is marine reptile territory. So we're in the right point in time, in the right type of rock to find a mosasaur or an ichthyosaur, a plesiosaur, an elasmosaur. And I was up there a few years ago and we found a plate, a long piece of rock about three feet long and a foot and a half wide. And it had a series of marine reptile vertebra in it. So the backbones of one of those um, lovely big mighty predators of our ancient seas. So if you do find a new specimen up there, a new species, um, as you know, the Indiana Jones that you are, it might be named after you and it could very well be, it'll certainly be um, a new find for that area and it may even be a new species if we can find the head and the compelling bits. So it could be named for you, which is quite exciting. And many of the best fossils and new fossils, so the first hadrosaur on Vancouver Island, the first dinosaurs in Tumblr Ridge, the first this and that. So species found all over our province have been found by amateurs. And I I don't like to use that word. They've been found by individuals who love paleontology and who love fossils, but have not chosen it as a career. And they've made huge contributions as citizen scientists. And if you're heading up to Harrison, I encourage you to be one of those citizen scientists and take good photos and good notes, note your finds, bring them back, ID them lovingly, take photos and share them on social media for what you've found. And you'll slowly learn the names of them. So um, many of the things I write in my uh, blog posts and articles can occur as gobbledygook. So when you're hearing Cadoceros or you're hearing... um, Uh, various species names or their formation names, your eyes will glaze over. But it's a local knowledge from a love of a particular passion and hobby. So if you think of the things that you know well, maybe you know about cars or sports or the Star Wars universe or the Marvel universe, you have a huge body of knowledge that you've acquired from just being interested. And so You know about apples, and if somebody was waxing poetic about gala and ambrosia and honeycrisp, you would recognize what they were talking about, but without perhaps that deep love of apples, not in that way. But fossils are the same same thing in the same way. Your knowledge will just slowly transfer into you through osmosis, and you'll find yourself using the lingo. And so... Initially, you can just know that it's an ammonite or a belemnite or a bivalve. But later, when you begin to notice, hey, I'm at Cayucat and I'm seeing this same type of specimen or I'm up in Alaska, that's interesting. I'm seeing these same cadoceros that I'd seen at Harrison Lake. Or I'm, I'm seeing buchia, those little bivalves. And when you pick up the buchia, you can look over at your friends and say, hey, you know what? I think... This rock is Jurassic Cretaceous for sure, and um, we we should start looking for some other specimens because you begin with the language and learning about the species, you begin to notice the patterns and it makes traveling to other parts of the province and the world more interesting. So 
I hope that answered some of the questions around Harrison outside of just sort of where it is and what it is. So it's wonderful um, Jurassic Cretaceous exposures. They are the Mysterious Creek Formation. They're on the west side of Harrison Lake. You do need some specialized gear. I would recommend it as a day trip. And if you do go and you find some things, post some photos, either send me a note on Fossil Huntress over on Facebook or post them on the Fossil Hunters group and we can ID them and be as thrilled as you for your new fossil finds. So I'll leave it there. I hope you guys are doing really well. I'll pop a little link to today's uh, post um, on this podcast stream so that you can take a look at the map. If it doesn't work for you to go in the fall and the winter or you're hearing this at some future date, just park it away for, for future state so that when you are in the area and you do feel like a field trip and you want to gather up a couple friends or your kids, you can take them out and you can go fossil collecting at Harrison Lake. You guys, have a good night. Take care. If you are planning to head up to Harrison Lake and go fossil collecting, know that you're not going into the town of Harrison or to the areas with the hot springs. So if you're putting something in Google Maps, put in Harrison Mills, or more specifically the Sasquatch Inn at Harrison Mills, and their address is 46001 Lowheed Highway in Harrison Mills, or you could also put in the Chehalis um, River Fish Hatchery to get you started. From the Sasquatch Inn parking lot, if you're facing the inn, so if you were standing in the parking lot facing the inn, you, the left-hand side, the western side, is where you exit the parking lot and you start heading up the forestry road. The Sasquatch Inn is your last place to use an indoor washroom or grab food. I would have packed lunch before I got to that place, but if there, if you don't have anything on board, do pick up um, something to eat for the day. Once you start up that logging road, there's no gas station, so make sure you're well gassed up before you start heading up the road. As you go up, it's about 30 kilometers up that logging road. It's slow going, so you're not um, not traveling at highway speeds. And because you're up and overlooking the lake, you're gonna be looking over at Long Island in the center of Harrison Lake. And when you're lined up with, so if you're wondering if you're in the right place, when you're lined up with about a third of that island where you've seen the base of it and then you've come up and you're even with about a third of it, you'll pass Hale Creek, H-A-L-E. It's a little bridge. Sometimes it's labeled with its lovely little name and sometimes people go by and bash the little name sign off so you don't always know that it's Hale Creek. And then after you go past Hale Creek, you'll start climbing a small hill. The exposures are on your left-hand side and you're going to need to drive past them and then pull up and over to the right-hand side to safely park out of the way of traffic. So there's not traffic on the road, but you don't want to be on the road when a logging truck comes. So park up and over 
so you can keep yourself safe. Again, I put those coordinates on the Archaea site, and I think that's everything I'd want to set you up for success to go and have a wonderful day. You guys take care.